So welcome everyone to uh, the 7 p.m. Jerusalem time teaching hour for 10 days. We are essentially about halfway through and we've had some incredible times thus far as I'm sure many of you can uh, testify to. Um, we have the wonderful privilege again of our dear brother Grant Berry sharing on reconnection, um, his heart message and the uh, one new man. And so without further ado, I am happy to pass it over to him. Grant, blessings to you and power during your sharing. And Sat, thank you, brother. Um, to start today, I just uh, felt like uh, I should hand over to my better half to just share a couple of thoughts and insights. Hallie, you wanna take it? Hello, everyone. Uh, Jenny, it's good to see you if you're still there. Uh, God bless you all. Hey, Jenny. Uh, it's, it's such an honor to be able to have an opportunity to introduce my husband <laughs> before, before he shares with you all. And, and, you know, he had asked if I wanted it, if I would give a, you know, a quick or just a brief hello and introduction and you know i have to say that you know he's he's going to be sharing going deeper on on into the john 17 and you know i feel like we can always say if we look back at all of our lives we could always say now more than ever we need this message but i really feel like today i can deeply say now more than ever, we need this message. We need this message of unity. We need this message of love. We need this message of seeking the Father. We need the message of hearing his voice. We need the message of being one together, all of us. And um, so it's a real privilege for me to be able to sit back and receive what, what Grant will release to all of us. Amen, Hallie, thank you. Thank you, darling. Could not do this without you. And uh, I like that expression, better half, because our wives are usually always our better halves, hallelujah. Um, beloved, let's just pray, let's just pray. Um, I feel the Holy Spirit wants to uh, take us deeper this morning. So I just want to invite him. Uh, Lord, this is your message. It's in your heart. It's a strategic piece of the puzzle and foundation to the restoration in your family. And so, Father, we come before you and we just ask for your words, your anointing, Father and your blessing upon this message and we'll give you all the glory our heart's desire and i know i speak for <clears throat> everyone on this call is that yeshua jesus would be lifted up that all men would be drawn unto him hallelujah and we long what's so great about 10 days is our dna is we shout and we cry and we long for your return. Come, Lord Yeshua. Come, 
Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We long for the day when we can hear you teach. Hallelujah. In the flesh. Hallelujah. Praise God. And we know that we are drawing closer. Well, beloved, I just want to share with you, we are on a journey in this restoration. And I feel like, you know, I was having a discussion with Hallie about this yesterday over dinner. And, you know, um, you know, she really mentioned, you know, we need to acknowledge what's already happening. And I, I really think uh, that there's a lot that needs to be said for that. Credit needs to be given to where credit is due. We are already on this journey. We have begun this journey. The body of Messiah has begun and entered and got onto this bridge of restoration. But I, 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 I just want to emphasize that this is not an overnight thing. It's not a quick fix. We have had 1700 years of influence of replacement thinking in the church, uh, where, where the church believed that it was Israel without any connection to Israel. And we're, and, and we're not uh, bringing this up with any condemnation or anything that, that needs to be pointed to or, or be critical of. Just to, to say that to face the realities that we're dealing with here, um, it is going to take time for these influences to be uprooted. But I believe without, with all of my heart that the Lord is looking to take the knife to the very root of, of where the 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 church went in the wrong direction regarding this one new man that Yeshua created at the cross and the resurrection. And so I just I want us to take a little journey through some scriptures just to focus on this point. And you know we've already had our blessed beloved spiritual father Gaylord um talk to us about the the depths of love in the John 17 message. Okay, thanks, Tom. Hallie says I need to speak up. Sorry about that. Let me turn the volume up. We've already had uh, our beloved spiritual father, Gaylord, speak to us about uh, the love revolution and how we we really need to just go deeper. You know, we're, we're calling this now in the reconnection liquid love, and we're seeking and hungering and thirsting for the Lord to bestow and baptize us in this spirit, because I think there's something additional that needs to be released upon us in order for us to move more like Yeshua moved. And then, and then the, the next day we had Chris Lepper, who spoke on John 17, really focused on the expression you know, and he had this incredible experience as he was moving out in in a, something that was a humanitarian need, an expression of love. As he was moving out in that expression, the Holy Spirit and the presence of God met him in such a special way uh, because love needs to be expressed. I want to I want to take us a little deeper regarding John 17, the foundation of John 17, or what I believe, uh, of what I believe is, is the foundation of, of John 17 unity. And I, I think you could see it if, you know, this week, you know, uh, 
take some time and, and meditate and drill down uh, and, and spend some time on, on John 17. I'm going to emphasize specifically to make this point, verses 6 through 19. Who's, your, who's Yeshua praying for? Who's Jesus praying for? Well, we know without a shadow of a doubt, he's praying for his disciples, his apostles. But I think we can go a little bit deeper there because it, uh, there were 120 in the upper room when the Holy Spirit came, right? And that day, 3,000 of them were added. They were Jews and converts to Jews. They were all Jews. So I think when you look at verses 6 to 19, you could you could make a good argument for the fact that Yeshua is praying for his Jewish family. He's praying for the firstborn in the family. And then in verse 20, he prays the most interesting verse. Now I'm going to pray for those that will believe in me. And here comes the key word through your message. What? One more. Your message. He gave, he anointed the ecclesia to take the gospel, to take the message of Yeshua out to the nations. And it is this connection between Jew and Gentile, uh, as well as all of us as family, as all of us as believers. It's not one or the other, it's both. It's, but in every family, beloved, there is a firstborn child. And we love that child, whether, whether they're, they're good or not, we love them just the same. And the family is made up of many children. It's just that the Jews were the first in the family and were given this responsibility to face and embrace the law, really, for the rest of us. Because if the law had not been given, sin could not have been brought into account. And then Yeshua could only come once sin was brought into account. So the Jews paid a price for us, you know, that a lot of us have not really fully understood in the church. And I'll say that generally, not so much on, on who I'm sharing with today. But there was this, this unity between Jew and Gentile that the Lord used to change the world. Now, if you read John 17, take a pen and underline the word glory and glorify, and you will underline it nine times in this chapter. God gave us his glory, but it was also connected. The fullness of that glory was connected and is connected to the love and unity flowing freely in the family of God. And beloved, we're already doing this on 10 days. Uh, um, uh, the Global Watch is doing it. Uh, Asher and Trader and David Damien are, are doing it on Watchmen for the Nations. There's beautiful restoration and unity and healing coming in the one you man in many different parts of the church. But beloved, it's still minuscule. It's still only a remnant. But God is going to do something very special with that remnant. We are that remnant and we are on a journey. And I, I, wanna, I wanna go to another scripture here to kind of explain this to us. 
that I think may help. Um, it relates to the story of the fig tree. Yeshua curses the fig tree, and the next morning when the disciples show up, uh, it's totally dead. And it's good to note that the fig tree had leaves on it, but no fruit. And, and Yeshua says something very strategic to the fig, fig tree that relates to what I'm going to share with you. He said, may you never bear fruit again. And you know, if you Google the story of the fig tree, um, you will get many Christian teachings. Many Christian theologians will, uh, will point to the fact that the fig tree was Israel. Beloved, I don't believe that the fig tree was Israel. I believe the fig tree was the authority, was the priesthood, the Sanhedrin, the religious teachers, the authority that they carried that Yeshua was about to bring to the end. And beloved, no one talks about the mountain that Jesus moved into the sea. We have heard thousands of teachings about the faith that we need to move mountains, and quite rightly, we do need that great faith, right? But no one talks about the mountain that was moved into the sea. So there are two accounts in the Gospels. One's in Matthew about the fig tree and the other's in Mark. In Matthew, immediately after he curses the fig tree, we're very close to the end here before Yeshua goes to the cross. Immediately he's confronted. By what authority, the Pharisees say to him, are you doing these things? Yeshua said, while he said to 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 the people, you must do what they say. Don't do what they do, but you must do what they say because they had been given the authority from God through Moses. And Yeshua was about to bring this to an end. He was about to move that mountain into the sea. In Mark, he goes into the temple and he ransacks it. How dare you turn my father's house into a den of robbers? Yeshua cries with a righteous anger in his heart and spirit. And we know the story. Yeshua goes to the cross. He raises from the dead. And just yesterday we celebrated uh, and experienced uh, Shavuot in the spirit. And the Spirit of God was sent upon a renewed Israel. And I want to read a couple of scriptures to you, okay? Jesus goes in the temple court right before uh, uh, the, the Feast of Hanukkah. And the Pharisees are confronting him. This is earlier on in the story. And... It's the only time he says that he and the Father are one and, and that he is, in fact, the Son of God. It's the only time he tells them. But in John 17, Yeshua explains to the Pharisees, I have other sheep that I must bring into the pen. And they looked at him like he was crazy. There's a great Jewish word, Meshuggah. They looked at him like he was Meshuggah because 
They had no understanding. And yet, Scripture is, is clear to us in Isaiah. In, I want to read you a couple, uh, couple of, of different verses. Isaiah 42.6, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant people. The key word, key word that Derek Prince brought to the church in the century to 20, that Israel are a covenant people and a light for the Gentiles to open the eyes of the blind, to free captives from prison and to release from the dungeons those who sit in darkness. And then in 49, 49, 6, he says, is it too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept? I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. Now we know that when Yeshua came, he said, I only come to the lost sheep of Israel. Why, beloved? Why did he say that? When, when, he, when we know that the gospel is for all of God's children, Jew and Gentile alike. You know, as a Jew, before I believed, in Yeshua, before I believed in Jesus, I had a real challenge with this. I thought to myself, God, how could you just be for one group of people? I didn't understand it of my understanding at the time. And then, of course, when I met Yeshua, he totally opened that up to me that, that any one Jew or Gentile could come, any one of us that thirsts, any one of us that would seek him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So something strategic happened here that I, I want to bring to your attention because Israel had to fulfill her call. Why? Why? Because God gave all the covenants to her. Read it in Romans 9. And he anointed the ecclesia with the Holy Spirit, not for a, a personal indwelling, but to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and the outer parts, to take Yeshua, to take Chai, which is a Jewish word for life, out to the nations, that God's children, and get this, beloved, could believe in Yeshua, become equal with Jewish believers, those who are near and those far, but also be grafted into whose covenants and promises? Ephesians 2, 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier. Some of the other words say enmity dividing the walls of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose, we're going to focus on these two words, one and purpose. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two. 
one new manatee, as one of our watchmen recently recoined the phrase, one new manatee out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Beloved, let's define the word purpose. In my dictionary, it reads, the reason for which something exists or is done, made or used. Number two, an intended or desired result. Yeshua created this beautiful one new man. He brought his family together to be one. And it was that oneness, beloved, that oneness where Jew and Gentile dwelled together in unity, where the children from the nations were grafted into Israel and so appreciative now to be sharing equally with the covenants that have been given to Israel. And that one new man changed the world. Well, beloved, I want to submit to you that God wants and needs to restore the former glory for us to move into the latter glory. This breach that came about in the family is foundational to the restoration of John 17. That love that Papa Gaylord teaches and talks to us about, that love expressed that, that Chris focused us on, has everything to do foundationally first with how we as Jewish and Gentile believers treat each other and reunite as co-heirs in the family and what that will look like. Beloved, we are on a journey. And in 2017, we entered the next Jubilee. During this Jubilee, Donald Trump declared Jerusalem to be the capital of Israel, most probably the most strategic thing that happened in his presidency. At Messiah's house and a previous 10 days union with Greg Healy in Connecticut, we gathered intercessors from all over the state. Rainbows formed above the church and in the skies, double rainbows uh, uh, the, between one year of Rosh Hashanah and the other. And the Lord had us, and I've written about this in the books and the teachings, the Lord had us proclaim three prophetic shofars. The first has to do with this restoration in the one you man. The second has to do with the Lord restoring the apostolic foundations of the church with the releasing of the fivefold gifts. And the third has to do with the preparation of us. You know, when I first wrote Romans 911 a couple of years ago, a number of leaders challenged me and said, you know, Grant, you, the fivefold thing that you're writing about is, is too controversial. You should take it out because the, the one you man message is too important. Well, beloved, this restoration is not just about the one you man. We are entering a reformation. We are coming into a time 
where the glory and the power of the living God is going to explode through his church. But Abba needs to wash us first. We're on a journey. And this renewing of the mind is going to take time. It's not a quick fix. Once we've broken off the full influences of replacement theology and, and generational anti-Semitism, once, once our Jewish believing family have dealt with some of the spirits of rejection that are uh, uh, affecting them, all of these issues that we bring to light in the Romans 911 project, because beloved, we have begun a journey and the Father is now looking to take us deeper. But there is more to come. There's a continued place of humility that is needed in us to allow the Father to wash and cleanse. And as he uproots, we know when I started writing Romans 911 in 2016, the Lord said to me, you need to be like a surgeon so that I can touch and watch the hearts and minds of my children. And the Lord is now looking not only to restore and heal us, but to renew us. In directive, you've heard me talk already about a document that was given to me by the Lord up at D.L. Moody's place in 2018 when I was doing 10 days with Frizz. And reconnection mandate directive number four is to study diligently because once we've broken off, once we understand the significance of this message, that there's no substitute for it. Once we've, we've reunited in love and unity, once we've come into a full repentance by really embracing the remnant part of the body as our own, as co-heirs, then we, we go into directives four and five. Then we need to allow the spirit to renew our mind, to renew our thinking and move out into the fullness of that expression in the one you man, not just between Jew and Gentile, but between all races and all creeds and all people. Beloved, we are on a journey. I have to end it there, but I do want to tell you that we are working diligently and coming very close to finishing the Romans 911 project. It is a second edition of the Romans 911 book. It is a study guide book written in tandem with 12 to 14 hours of video teachings with 2,500 plus PowerPoint images embedded into the videos to really bring this message home to the body of Messiah. But here's the strategy, beloved. First, the Lord has to start with us, has to increase the knowledge and revelation of the remnant in the body so we truly understand God's glory plan. We truly understand how to pray more effectively into the peace of Jerusalem. And then we begin to cry out for the rest of the body. We begin to cry out for the ecclesia, for the blindness and the confusion and everything that the enemy has put in the in in our way and in and in the family's way to keep the body divided. Because, beloved, when the church gets this message, 
when the church begins to move full force into the intercession and cry from a reconnected bride, that is the the supplication that the Father is longing for that is going to move heaven to awaken and push this baby that does not want to be born, Israel, in the spirit. And as we move into that and realign the gospel back to its uh, 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 to its original and only principle, which is to the Jew first and then the Greek, the natural outflow is of that is the end time harvest. The natural outflow is to bring us into perhaps the greatest battles. And I will end with this because I know my time is short. We are coming into the greatest battles ever for the ecclesia. And if we think that the enemy is going to go down easily here, we would be mistaken. We are talking about the last great harvest of souls. We are talking about the salvation of Israel and the return of Yeshua. And we have some significant roles to play in intercession in order for this to transpire. Uh, I believe God is about to birth a new or a new, well, not necessarily a new type of intercession, but uh, uh, um, we call it uh, pure intercession. It's a strategic intercession focus because the Lord needs to work through us to deal with the strongholds. And there are ways that we can do that by being under the shadow and shelter and the protection and the blood of Yeshua as we do it. And this is what the Romans 911 project is all about. We are preparing to launch it during the 10 days of awe on Shabbat Shuva, which just happens to fall this year on what date? 911.